0: Alright, what is up everyone? Welcome back to the Heart to Heart podcast. My name is Hafiz. This is the third season and the third episode. Today we have a special guest. Jeff, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah,
1: sure. Hi, I'm Jeff. I'm out of Washington, D.C. It's a pleasure to meet you all here. Uh, Looking forward to a fantastic conversation today, talking about Asian hate, talking about Global issues, talking about the world. Uh, obviously, the last twenty months or so have been a little weird. So, looking forward to have a great conversation with you, Fez.
0: <laughs> All right, so we are going to be starting off with a game. So, for those of you who don't know how this works, we're going to be given. Three random words, and we're going to have to incorporate them into a lighthearted question that we're going to be asking each other. All right, so my first question for you is, let's say you have the ability to go to Mars, okay? And you get to take one person who's not an immediate family member. It could be an animal or it could be um, a human being. Who would it be? Your words are stamp, shoot, and contrary. Sure. Uh, I'd say, you know,
1: contrary to what most people would think about picking George Clooney to go with me to Mars or having a hunter who can shoot aliens for me, um, I would actually, uh, you know, I would take my neighbor. Uh, my neighbor's one of the most resourceful people I know here uh, in D.C., uh, during the January sixth insurrection, uh, he was uh, instrumental in making sure that <laughs> we were safe during all of that. Um, and he—he's as guaranteed as the as getting a stamp at the post office. So I would say my neighbor, you know, ex Navy SEAL, fantastic guy. That's who
0: I'd pick on Mars. Nice. That's amazing. That's amazing. I do want to hear more about that though um, later on. Yeah, of course, of course.
1: All right. Afiz, your question, well, your three words, century, necklace, and pitch. And my question for
0: you is, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Okay, um, that's a solid question. Now, I did try a couple of different sports. I tried I tried soccer growing up. I tried basketball. I tried baseball. I remember throwing a pitch. It was really cool. Um, and then at the end of the day, I decided, you know what? Um, I think I think I really wanted to be a soccer player. You know, maybe the player of the century. I I don't know, you know, some something worth pursuing. Um but I remember this one time I saw someone um who was who was really good at soccer and he was playing on the field and I saw him with a necklace on and he kinda he kinda got called out on it by the ref. He was like, Yo, you can't wear that Um and so um I don't know, at that, that time I was just like, Cool, so I can't wear a necklace in the field Um and then uh, I also realized that um, maybe soccer wasn't something I could do in the long run, but it was always something uh, I did want to do uh, growing up. So yeah, it's a it's a great question. Okay. Uh. Oh yeah, more than pretty well. Oh, they they solid. They 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 good. Definitely, definitely. Oh yeah. Most, most professional sports players are doing well, like especially for the bigger sports around the world. Yeah. All right. My second question for you is what is your favorite cereal and why? And your three words are clique, matter and lion.
1: Oh my gosh. My favorite my favorite cereal. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Um, at the end of the day, I'm just looking for anything with coffee, uh, to be honest, um, but you know, in the mornings I get a little hangry. I got to admit if I don't have my coffee, I don't have my bowl of frosted flakes. Um, I'm going to eat like a lion. Um, and I think too, I mean, I would say if possible, it'd be coffee, frost flakes, um, you know, and whatever I can talk to with my boys about after we have this click that we talk about, uh, our fantasy footballs in the morning. We usually talk trash to each other. Uh, on the WhatsApp there, and that's usually overdone over breakfast. So I always think of breakfast, I always think of my cereal, uh, with my guys talking about our fantasy and the prospects. In our league, the loser um, not only gets relegated to a second division, but also has to take the SATs in the city of the winner, winner's choosing of choice. So there's a lot of high stakes. No one wants to take the SATs when you're old. No one wants to do that.
0: I love that. That that's dedication, yo. That's real dedication right there, bro. I, I respect that. That's, <laughs> well, let me tell you, taking t- yeah. let me tell you, t-
1: taking the SATs when you're when you're old is hard. It's much harder than you remember.
0: I don't know. That's why I don't ever plan on doing it. Um, but hey, that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a different story. All right, Hafiz, your your next your
1: three words is elapse, steep, and food. And your question is, growing up,
0: uh, can you tell us about your favorite pet or toy? All right, that's a solid, solid question. Um, Growing up, I had a lot of, like, little cars and stuff, but I wasn't really um, interested in those, to be honest. And with regards to pets, we never really had pets until recently. Um, But I I actually want to, you know, focus on that a bit more because that was the first time I did um, have pets and it was after you know after a long time time elapsed then right it was, it was yeah it's been it was literally a couple years ago when I got it um, and at first when I got it the, the the experience of adopting a pet seemed relatively steep especially with the prices of um, um, the food the prices of the um, vet bills and, and so on and so forth but it was it was a really wonderful experience to, to have another being in your house that's not a human being that you could you know have a connection with that you could spend time with and it's just it's just a wonderful experience basically um, so yeah uh, was, I had I had a cat um, not he's I don't have him anymore we had to had to give him away unfortunately but um, yeah that was like that was the coolest thing in terms of non-human um, I don't know what the right term is here, but in terms of pets, that was the coolest thing, basically. Yeah. Uh (laughs) His his name was Fluffy. So we looked at him and we were like, all right, um, yeah, we were like, okay, what is, what is, we didn't know what to call him. Literally had no clue. We looked at him and literally, I was with my sister and I was petting him and I was like, yo, this guy's fur is Fluffy. And she's like, we're calling him Fluffy. I'm like, Okay, cool. That works. I like that. So yeah, we call them. Fun. Um, yeah. So it was, it was really, it was actually a really cool um, experience having having a pet and felt good. You know, being woken up at three a.m. Okay, that did not feel good, but um, it was an experience. All right. Um, so my last question for you is, would you pick? Let's say you had to have one drink for the rest of your life. Water, not count. not count okay um so what drink would you pick if you had to pick one other for the rest of your life and your words are era instrument and infrastructure sure i mean and just to clarify i can only drink this forever and is there food yeah yeah so yeah there's there's in terms of drinks though um Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. So this is it. Well, so I have to say, um, I feel like everyone has their, their sort of power beverage or, you know, the drink that you probably could drink all night. And then there's your weakness drink, the one that, uh, when you smell it, you sort of feel awful just thinking about it. And for me, the power drink has always been tequila. That's like, you know, the era of my prime, that was sort of my go-to solid, uh, beverage I would go to. Um, I don't think my body is really set up with the right infrastructure to drink that all the time. But if you're saying there's food, then I'm pretty excited about it. And, you know, at the end of the day, the food and the body is just an instrument for, you know, what I'm trying to do here. And the tequila makes things a lot more fun, especially in sort of challenging times here. I mean, no judgment, right, that this is my only drink of choice. But if there's great food to mix it up, I think that's going to be pretty solid.
0: You nailed that answer. Yo, you nailed that answer. Well done. I have
1: to say, I haven't asked this before,
0: <laughs> so I'm
1: not wow. surprised. Okay. That, that one felt Fair. good. All right. That if that he's... Yes. All right. Your, your last three words. Okay. Accessible operation discovery. And my question to you is if you had to go back in time, where would you go and when?
0: All right. Um, terms of going back in time. To be honest, I just want to confirm. When we say back in time, are we t- saying temporarily or to live in that era? Um, we're gonna say permanently. Permanently. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. Permanently. yeah. Not, yeah, not too far back. Um, mostly because i looking at the things that we have, right? The operations we have going on daily, um, how accessible a lot of resources are, the new discoveries that we're making. And if we go too far back in time, none of that's going to be there. Now, yes, life generally will be a lot more simpler back then, but also we're missing out on a lot of um, cool, fun, and exciting things that we're capable of doing now that we wouldn't have been back then. So, if you're to ask me, I would like to go back to the early 19... 19- 90s or maybe mid early 1990s Okay. I feel like that was a good time right before social media came and completely um, flipped the world upside down Um, but also it was uh, it's a time close enough where we get to see the current discoveries and the future discoveries Um, so I think I think that would be a a great time to to be in yeah uh, I feel like it's also a great
1: um, number one it's a great music scene at that point early nineties yeah. is, is a great heyday. Um, you know, and I, I agree with you. If you go too far back, um, you know, not to say that racism has been solved, but I suspect if
0: you go too far back, you might have issues. Yeah, it's definitely not going to be the same. Um, and now, I mean, it's obviously yeah. still a work in progress, but um, it's uh, better now than, than it was before. Um, just speaking of racism, racism, Have you had experiences um, of like blatant racism and things along the lines of that? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure, well, I feel, first off, I think taking
1: a step back, uh, you know, at least in a North American context, uh, I think when you look at the entry of of people from Europe and other places to North America, um, there is an original sin here. Uh, When you have communities that have come and then indigenous people or others that, um, you know, suffered significant consequences for that, that's sort of, that's the foundation of the founding of um, multiple nations and countries here. And that is an issue that um, is something that we still live with today. Uh, And I would say in the last, you know, during COVID-19 particularly, I don't think most people put asians on the list of experiencing racism um in in the most direct way uh but if you look at recent history let's say the last 200 years um you know asians um on this continent have faced uh active discrimination uh including you know what was called the chinese exclusion act which um you know banned uh chinese folks from um, certain rights here, even though they had been investing in the economy and uh, been existing here for a number of years. Um, it's really crazy to think that there are Japanese and Chinese, let's say in this case, Americans, uh, who have lived in North America longer than some Europeans. right? So the, it's a really interesting um, understanding of the history, not to mention Japanese internment as well, during World War II. Uh, those are very blatant government actions <laughs> to uh, confront groups of people just because of what they look like, never mind that they were born here in the United States or in Canada, never mind that. Um, and so for me, you know, racism is something that I honestly hadn't truly reflected on until the last two years, uh, during the sort of lead up to COVID 19 and in COVID 19 times. Um, but Before all of that, I think growing up Asian, I did have issues. My parents were on a chicken farm in Georgia. And it's a place that's pretty modest, uh, pretty rural, uh, working class, um, pretty disconnected from government service, I'd say. Um, And when the virus broke out in March, there were three places that were hit really hard. One was New York City, two was Italy, and three was Southern Georgia. Um, there was a super spreader funeral that happened, and all these people died about 15 minutes from my parents' farm. And in the, in the months after that, um, my parents found the community wasn't really spending, for, you know, they weren't really communicating with my parents very much. This is a group of people they've been around 20 years. And around August, one of them finally just told them, like, hey, listen, we like, we like you. It's not personal. It's just, you're the reason why the virus is here. Like, never mind that, uh, you know, <laughs> they've lived there 20 years or, you know, couldn't have possibly spread this virus. Never mind any of that. Um, and so when, when I heard my mom talking to me about what had happened to them and, you know, typical immigrants, they, uh, were very prideful, but they also didn't want to show that they were really hurt by that. Um, but you could feel it. So I decided to do something I'd never done before, which was like, speak out about these issues. I, I spent my whole life not doing it. And um, I wrote a little piece in the local paper down there on what immigrants were contributing to the country. Um, you know, Whether that's small business or essential frontline workers, right? In the healthcare space, or even the research and development of a vaccine, which we later had. And two things happened from that um, writing experience. One is people read it locally. And two, um, the neighbors apologized to my parents. And so there was this sort of feeling of realizing that if you you speak about things with passion, but also reason, and if you help people understand where their perspective sort of fell off, uh, you can actually, have changed, and so that's what embarked me on this journey now of speaking about Asian hate issues. Uh, you know, for the past, I guess, 20 months now, 25 months, 24 months now. It's crazy how quickly the time goes. But um, I'm sure in many parts of the world, there are negative experiences that immigrants have been feeling. I don't think that's changed. Um, it's just more obvious now. You know, there's like less of a veneer. And so, yeah, so to answer your question, yes, uh, I have experienced some racism. I'm, I'm sure all of us have, but it's more obvious now.
0: Um, I actually think, I don't think it's more obvious now. I think it's easier to point out per se. I think we're, we are also, like those who do experience it, they're also understanding that, you know, this is this is racism. You know, this, isn't, um, this isn't just, I don't know, a casual joke or whatever it is that you would like to consider it. Um, I think it's more of that. I don't think much has changed on, on the other end, to be honest. Um, yeah, and one of the things, so I've I've been seeing on social media, you know, a lot of um. I've I've been seeing things about Asian hate crime increasing and whatnot, right? And some things that really uh, kind of disappointed me, to be honest, was um a lot of a lot of black people were were coming up and they were being they were being like, you know, they they were suggesting. They made it a competition, per se, to say, hey, um, yeah, we deal with that, too. And it's like, okay, why are you diminishing theirs? First of all, they've always supported us. And secondly, you're not helping anyone by making this a competition. If you both face it, you both should be, you should be forming an alliance, per se, and working towards actually ending it rather than um, taking a shot at each other how did, like, i don't i never understood how that helped the situation um, or anyone at all um, well
1: uh you know during the during the 60s um you know during the civil rights movement um asian americans were very much at the front lines of supporting the black civil rights movement um they were being targeted uh and sort of called the yellow peril that's uh what the asian the asian folks were being Dismissed as, but actually, there is long standing solidarity among the two groups uh, that has a lineage towards one of the original fights in civil rights. So, I think the comments on, um, you know, people speaking about their own hurt, I get it. I totally get it. Um, but divide and conquer is a long standing maneuver for the status quo. And I would say probably white supremacy. Um, Groups need to be working together. There is a strength in numbers. And I think you're seeing that now. Uh, If you look at recent surveys from Pew, one of the biggest survey groups here in the country, um, Asian Americans still uh, on average are highly supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, And that's the same with other groups supporting other um, communities of color that are facing these struggles and challenges. So I do think actually in the big picture, um, there's a pretty strong majority that are supportive of one another uh, in a time where everybody knows there's a lot of hurt going on, especially hurt that um, it's a very apparent hurt, right? It's an Asian grandma being beat up in broad daylight. It's stuff like that, right? Yeah, and then that's go that goes viral on social media, right? So it's sort of impossible to ignore, and I think you are seeing a lot of people advocate and speak up for the most part for you know these vulnerable groups and frankly groups that people haven't thought of. Uh, and Asians, I think, culturally speaking, partly because of their um, cultural leanings, partly because of the history and legacy and how they got here, um, there is sort of this understanding in the community where. You know, you sort of stay quiet and then you work really hard and then you, you do it so nobody bothers you and that maybe you'll fit in. But the truth is, that's all kind of a lie. Uh, it does require you to speak up. And frankly, when you witness or see horrible things, to stand up for those brothers and sisters that you have. Because if you don't, then sort of like me, you'll get spit on in an airport and the people will just walk away. That's what
0: perpetuates more of this. You have to make a stand. And I think you're seeing more of that now. So what advice would you have for someone in their 20s?
1: Oh, uh, I think there's three things I would say for advice with folks in their 20s. Um, Number one, trial and error. Do and experience as many things as possible because you have infinite opportunity, no obligations. At least in terms of where you are in your 30s and 40s, it'll be significantly different. Explore. It's an exploration time. There is so much to experience and see. Uh, Your goal, I think, in the 20s is to capture the things that inspire you in those moments. And that's a golden window. Number one. Number two, invest in the people that matter to you. Because you'll be stretched in a lot of places. And if everybody's important to you, then nobody's important to you. Invest in the ride or die friends. and that includes family. Um, that also includes uh, you know professional peers, but you have to you have to find a way to be ruthless with who you invest your energy in because relationships are two-way streets, right? It isn't just take, it's also give. And if you give too much um, or you give in a way that spread out too far, you're maybe not going to get the same return. That's the second thing. I wish someone had told me that. Third thing, um, realizing that there is nobody like you. Like it's important to find sponsors and champions and mentors that you can find, but you're never going to find someone who's like 30 years older than you, who's exactly like you. So you have to chart your own path. And ideally, you're going to be learning from many other people that give you little snippets of wisdom that you'll be to be able to impart in your professional life, but also in your personal triumphs and successes and challenges. Um, you know, when you are mapping out your journey, realizing that uh, nobody's perfect, nothing goes right all the time. And actually, in the times where you're going to have the most challenge, that's when you're going to figure out more about yourself than you ever did. Those are three things I'd recommend for someone in their 20s. Oh yeah, and also don't take yourself too seriously. So let's say three plus that. Don't take yourself too seriously. You got a whole lifetime to, to, to figure out how serious you need to be, but in your
0: 20s, you shouldn't. Yeah, I really like that. I really like that. Um, yeah, I agree with literally everything you said. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a good reminder. I'm gonna encourage other people to, to make sure to apply those because um, they are very important. Um, i wish i could ask you more questions but that'll be it for today um hopefully we'll come back on another time and i could ask you more questions get to know more about you and get some advice from you as well so thank you so much for hopping on that'll be the end for this episode and um yeah i will see you all uh later take care